Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, super appreciate it. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it wherever you get podcasts from. And uh, we really appreciate the downloads and the listens and the comments and everything else at Pulp Hockey on Twitter. I'm Steve Mathis. With me to talk about the World Junior title, the week that was in the NHL, a few other things. Uh, former NHLer turned TSN color analyst, Ray Ferrara. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. Uh, we got ourselves through our first exhibition game yesterday. This is uh, Thursday today, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. yep. And uh, so uh, we uh, had Canada and Switzerland yesterday, our first look at the Canadian team. And, um, and you know, they, they got themselves into probably a little bit more of a game than they thought it was going to be. They ended up winning 5-3 with an empty netter, but mm-hmm. uh, probably good for them in the long run that – you know what looked like it could have been a seven-one game at one point turned into a little bit closer, and they had to had to play. And that's good for the coaches; they can explore around with the lines and such. And good mm-hmm. for the players to, you know, to get into a game where they were playing against somebody else and not just practicing against each other. Yeah, the uh, Swiss coach was seemed like he was ecstatic that uh, they only lost by one with an empty netter. Yeah, he was. Uh, so his name is Christian Volvand, and uh, I've got to know him over the last couple of years. And last year, he was the coach that when Switzerland was going to play Canada in the quarterfinals, um, uh, he was asked, you know, so what do you think of of Canada? And he said, well, they're they're better than us. They're bigger than us. They're faster than us. They shoot better than us. They're stronger than us. And uh, somebody said, well, will you tell your team that? And he said, yes, exactly that. Right, I remember and, that, yes. Right. Yeah, and so yesterday he said that, you know, the game went really well for them, and, um, you know, to be close to Canada is, you know, is quite a deal for the Swiss juniors. And he said, uh, you know, but if we had a yodeling contest, that the Swiss would win for sure. Right. And so he's a really entertaining guy. I didn't like his comments last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I had mentioned in a couple of places and more than a few times. And I, I just don't think that's what right. a coach should do. His his job should be to build a roadmap forward mm-hmm. to, okay, there are all these things, but this is how we can stay in the game. And so a couple of days later, um, I get a note he wants to talk. So I go to the lobby at the hotel where we're staying, and we sat there for about an hour, and he had his computer out, and he was showing me a bunch of things. and mm-hmm. And so he was quoting some numbers, and... Honestly, Steve, when he started to do it, you're like, well, I can see why they think the way they do. He's like, you know, Canada has 400,000 junior players, and, you know, the Swiss have like 400. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, obviously are in in an age-out tournament, which, you know, there is an age limit, Mm -hmm. you're going to get boxed in pretty quickly. He told us yesterday before the game, he said, look, here's an example again. We lost our first line right winger, right shot, plays on the power play. He goes, we're going to, re-, you know, he's injured for the tournament. Mm-hmm. He can't play. And he said, so we're going to replace him with the player we thought was going to be our fourth line centerman. He's a left shot. 
Mm-hmm. It's like Canada loses a player, and they have Alexi Lafreniere, who's the 17-year-old kid who's probably the odds-on favorite to be the first pick in the 2020 draft. He's not even eligible for this June's draft. And so they lose Gabe Velarde from the L.A. Kings. Mm-hmm. With a, you know, He's had all kinds of back issues. And they replace him with Lafreniere. And Switzerland replaces their guy with a fourth-line centerman. You know, it's quite yeah. a, quite a difference. They they actually did fine last night. Their goalie was good. They didn't have a lot of chances, but they scored uh, on their chances. Mikey DiPietro was in goal for Canada. He's a Canucks third round pick, and um, he didn't have a great night. Um, he didn't have a lot to do, which of course doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the two Canadian goalies, him and Ian Scott. Um, we're going to split the first two games. So Scott will play tomorrow, Friday, against uh, Slovakia. And then they're going to make a decision on the third game. And that whoever plays the third game, I would suspect, would would it's, start game one of the tournament. the ball. A couple things. For one, Swiss has beaten Canada before at this tournament. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but it wasn't that long ago. And two, what if Al Arbor had said all those things that you ju- you guys you've told us a story many times? And, and Healy was on the podcast last week talking about tying a shift and and in '93. And, and yep. what if Al had said, "Hey, they're bigger than you, they're faster than you. Look at Ron Francis. Look at Mario. Look at Yager. You're done. You guys. You, we don't even have Pierre." Right, so yeah, no, I kind of I, I can't with even you. imagine. I can't even imagine at, sitting in the room as a player right. and having that laid out to you because you know that anyway. Right. Like you're not yeah. dumb. You're sitting yeah. there and you're looking at the other team and you're like, "Wow, those guys are really good." And what you want from your coach is to acknowledge that. Okay, here's how we can stay in the game. And what Al did, as as Glenn told us on the pod mm-hmm. last week, was that. He basically said, let's shorten the game down. You don't need to win every shift. You just have to tie it. Let's tie the shift and get on to the next one. Get, your, get a breather, mm-hmm. and the next guy has to tie his shift. Yep. And then pretty soon we're at the end of period one. Yeah. Now we've got a short game. And, and I, I found it, and it obviously Heels did too, um, we found it like just a... <laughs> A brilliant strategy mm-hmm. for a team that was clearly overmatched. Yeah, that's all. So I, I side with you a little bit on those comments, but hey, that's, it's cool that he wanted to meet you and talk to you about it and show you. And, I, I yeah. thought it was awesome. Yeah. And so now I, I saw him at the World Junior last year in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and uh, he was the assistant coach uh, for the Swiss national team at the Olympics. Okay. So I saw him there in yep. Korea. Then I saw him in May at the World Championships when they when they had the silver medal. And then I saw him again. So th- this is one of the cool things about doing tournament hockey is you end up meeting some really neat people. You see them over and over again. Um, yesterday, the assistant coaches for the Swiss are Tommy Albelin, uh, who played for Jersey forever, mm-hmm. and Paul DiPietro, who I played with a little bit in Los Angeles. Um, he was a, scored some big goals when the Canadians won the Cup in 93. Yeah. He retired in Switzerland when he was 44. <laughs> Wow, like, he was still playing, huh? Wow. You know, I'm like, I saw him yesterday, I'm like, Paulie, like 44, I had to look it up on your hockey DB stuff. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know, I know. But, I, you know, so there's a, yeah. there's a guy who found a way to play the game that he loved to play, and he played it at a high level for a long, long, long time, and now he's, mm-hmm. he's helping out coaching. And so what a, what a cool thing to run into. Right, absolutely. Now, sort of perusing the previews and checking things out I haven't done anywhere near the deep dive that you have. 
Canada probably the slight favorite to win this tournament. They're of course they're on home soil. That always helps. Uh, you know, NHL dimension rinks, which always seem to help. Uh, how do you look at it? How do you stack it up? Well, there's. You know, there is the thought playing at home helps you a great deal. Mm-hmm. It helps you a great deal if you get off to a, a good start in the tournament. If you start to struggle in it, um, I think the pressure gets pretty heavy on these kids. And in a lot of cases, they don't really handle it that well. Like, how could you? You're 18 and 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see game breakers with the Canadian team. Um like Max Comtois, who played with the Anaheim Ducks at the start of the year, he, he was in the tournament last year, had three goals for Canada. He was an absolute wrecking ball yesterday. He's big and powerful. Um, he'll play a big factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his centerman is Cody Glass, uh, Vegas's first-round uh, pick. Mm-hmm. He looks uh, physically on the ice. He looks like Mark Shifley. Um, I think he's their most skilled forward. And the other player on that line is Owen Tippett, a Florida first-rounder from a couple of years ago. But I don't see game-breakers, you know. There's okay. no, yeah. you know, so I, I don't know that they're going to stretch people out um, in, you know, in a game that might be 2-1. I don't think it's going to all of a sudden get to be 7-1. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're, you know, their defense is going to lean pretty heavily on uh, Evan Bouchard, uh, who's an Edmonton first-rounder from last year, and Noah Dobson, who was the Islanders' first-rounder. They're going to lean pretty heavy on those guys, but they look like a defense of a bunch of tweeners, you know, not super physical, not mm-hmm. super skilled, kind of in the middle. So they have to really play as a group. Like, they're going to use all seven of the guys, right. in, in, which is, doesn't always happen. So I, I think there would be I, – I wouldn't say they would be any more than a – you know, a marginal favorite right. in the tournament. Uh, the U.S. will will be a good team. They'll be skilled. They'll be fast again. Um, they've really developed some players that, um, you know, over the last few tournaments that you see that go on to play quickly in the NHL. The Russians are always a wild card. Um, you right. just never know what they're going to bring. And a lot of times it's all 19-year-olds. And what makes that uh, part of being a wild card is we rarely see players play in two tournaments or three tournaments for the Russians. They just don't get picked as a 17 or an 18-year-old. The coach, Valeri Bragan, um, who's been there a long time, he brings 19-year-old players. He trusts them more. Yep. So each year, it's a new team. The Swedes and the Finns are always um, predictably solid. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while, they lump together some, some terrific teams. The Swedes, unbelievably, have only won this tournament four times. They've been... They had a like a 31 game winning streak in the preliminary rounds, mm-hmm. and they won one gold medal. <laughs> you know, so yeah. they haven't been able to close the deal. But I would say those five teams, same as always, yeah, same will, as always, yeah. You know, will be the the favorites. The there's always the possibility that a, a team gets an unbelievably hot goalie, like the Czechs did with Peter Morazic uh, back in Edmonton, and. You know they've got it, they've got enough good players that all of a sudden they surprise into the crossover games. They win their quarterfinal. Now they're in the semi, mm-hmm. and so that's that's entirely possible in a in a tournament like this. Yeah, really, right? We've seen performances over the years that just stand out, and you're just like, well, guy got hot or, or team got hot, got on a roll. You yeah, know? it doesn't have yep. to be. It doesn't have to be for three weeks either. Yep. You know, they if they can get themselves into that crossover game. Um, you know the the top four teams mm-hmm. make it, and then if you 
you know, if you somehow get through your crossover game, now you're in the quarters, and you're, it's all single, right. one and out. Yep. And it's uh, um, it is a pretty uh, it's a pretty cool tournament. It happens, you know, it seems to go on for quite a while, but it's really only two weeks, and then once you get to the elimination, it's like bang, 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 over. Yeah. It happens so fast, and that's the time where a hot goalie or a critical injury uh, can shape uh, shape a tournament. You feel any more? I mean, it's a dumb question, but look, this thing is watched by I, I don't know how many people watch this World Juniors in Canada. Oh, I mean, I know, millions, millions, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple I mean, million. By the time yeah. you, right? I, I would say each, like the Boxing Day game, generally has a pretty good number. Yeah. You know, um, probably close to 2 million. Uh, the Russia game on New Year's Eve will have a huge number. Um, so, you know, Did, a couple of years ago, the gold medal game was Canada-Russia. I, I want to say there was close to 7 million people. And there's 33 million people in the country. Right. For, for, for people, know, yeah, so, to give people an idea of. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's a, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big so, deal, and it's sure lots of fun to do. So my question, do you feel any more pressure do you feel any more um i don't know things that you've got to say you think about it more anything like that compared to a midweek senators game or something no you know what actually i i don't um and part of that is you know now i've done it a number of years yep um i was far more nervous for the start of the tournament when i first did it the first year in edmonton and calgary Mm -hmm. because i didn't really know what to expect um and that, like anything, you do it enough, you you build a little bit of comfort. I'm I'm always nervous that I don't know the players as well as I want to, mm-hmm. um, but I get to watch them, you know, five games in a row, and so you quickly pick up an appreciation because I'm already starting from a point of where I have scouting reports. I'm you know I'm pulling scouting material into one document, and that gives me the background of the players. But you know I'm. I find I'm probably making more evaluation on players as I'm going along than I would in an NHL game. Right, right. Right, because everything's – the yep. player is a little bit newer uh, to me than than he would be in an NHL game. It's still it's still as exciting a time for me as any other in the season. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, this is – Oh, some, I love yeah, it. Yeah, right? The is... tournament's great, and um, the, the tension you feel um, – in a lot of the games from, you know, from the players mm-hmm. um, because they're young, because in many cases, Steve, like they're not going to ever play games more important than this. Yep. Like not everybody, unfortunately gets to play in the NHL. And so this might be the most important games that they'll have in their career. You know, a few years ago in Toronto, I guess it was three years ago, there was a goalie, uh, Dennis Godla, and he got Slovakia to, the quarterfinals, and they were chanting his name. They lost eight nothing to Canada, I think, in the in the quarters and or in the semis rather. And it was an amazing scene to see this kid just getting showered with attention. And you know, he's eighteen, yeah. nineteen years old, and um, I'm sure will always be a highlight of his hockey career. When you're sitting between the benches, uh, you've so, you've done so many games. You've been part of so many games. I imagine on in an NHL game, on like I said, a midweek game. Uh, for example, the third period of the Devils Leafs game, 
they were going through the motions. You know what I mean? It was over. Not much was going on. A few goals were scored, but it was not a much of a not much of a hitting game anymore. It was over. Um, that's something that happens quite regularly in, in a long grind of an NHL season. You can sense that. You know that. You know you're trying your best, but. But one thing about these junior games is they seem to, Ray, be able to turn on a dime uh, one way or another each way. And that's what makes it exciting. And so you I mean, you know this, obviously. And, I mean, I guess you could sense when this is going to happen, right? You're like, uh-oh. Well, the, there were certain games where, you you know, 10 minutes in, you're like, wow, that team is way better than this team. Mm-hmm. And you kind of know how the game's going to play out or you would suspect how the game's going to play out and i'll give the game last night i did so it was 4-1 canada early in the second period and it was you know my biggest concern then is it's going to be 10-1 mm-hmm. and you're like man there's you know you're going to have to grind away because you don't i'm not going to be too critical of the players because they're teenagers i just don't think that's fair and then all of a sudden canada made a little bit of a boo-boo and it was 4-2 then they took a four-minute nap and it was 4-3 and then you got a game. Yeah. And so there was there was no reason for the game to change. But it's always possible because of the experience of the players and the age of the players. And um, probably I, I would say we're all better handling the ups and downs of things as you get into your 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And when you're a teenager, if you remember back, you're like, man, you yeah. know, it, things are just a roller coaster. They're all over the place. Yeah. And so that's that's what this tournament, uh, again, has proven year over year, is that there are games that shouldn't be close, and all of a sudden you're like, it's halfway through the second period, and it's 2-1. Mm-hmm. And the, the underdog team gets a power play. That doesn't happen in the NHL very often. Yeah, yeah. there's been some crazy games, the World Juniors, over the years. Um Anything else about the tournament you want to talk about, touch on? Uh, no, I think I think it'll be a good tournament. Yeah. It hasn't been in BC here since 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were criticisms of the tournament <clears throat> being in Toronto and Montreal uh, and Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, all grouped together. And that really, you know, really made it difficult for people to go to the games to buy tickets almost like a oversaturation of, mm-hmm. of the market and this year you know the the tickets are all virtually sold and um so the atmosphere will be good there's yeah. you know people haven't seen this tournament in a long time and they're excited to see it you know the the people here they you know in victoria where i am right now for the exhibition games you know they're excited to see jack hughes who's likely to be the number one pick in um in the June draft. Um, Quinn Hughes, his brother, will be on the U.S. team as well. Well, he's a Canucks first-rounder, mm-hmm. so the people here are going to be all over the U.S. team. Um, you know, the Swedes and the Finns are here. Uh, over on the other side, it's Canada, right? And, yep. you know, Canada and Russia will carry that group. That's the weaker of the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of the five, you know, each year there's the five strong teams, or five strong countries, and um, you know, they get divvied up, obviously, three and two. And the the one with the two, which is Canada-Russia, seems to be an easier bracket all the time. Right. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, to the NHL and different happenings around there, of course. Uh, you're still keeping an eye on that, of course. So the inevitable happened. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers uh, let Dave Haxtall go. Um, not a surprise, Ray. It was a, a, a sort of a listless performance in Vancouver. 
that did it, and we all kind of saw this coming. I'm sure Dave did, too. The writing was on the wall once uh, general manager Ron Hextall was let go, um, and uh, they finally did it. Yeah, it wasn't a very smooth uh, no. firing. Um, too much leaked before it actually happened. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Chuck Fletcher wasn't too thrilled with, you know, so many people reporting Haxtell had been fired. They contacted Joel Quenville. I saw that, yeah. Did that ever um, happen? We, we proved that it didn't, right? Well, Chuck Fletcher said he hasn't talked to him in two years. Okay, yeah. And so unless somebody else from the Flyers organization reached out to Joel, mm-hmm. that it didn't come from Chuck. I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm taking Chuck's word right. where he said he hasn't talked to Joel in two years. So that would mean it would be pretty tough to offer him the job. Um I, I don't know. I thought it should have been a lot cleaner. However, it wasn't. Um, I was a little bit surprised initially that Scott Gordon was brought in to coach the team. But in a way, I wasn't. And the reason I wasn't mm-hmm. is that so Chuck Fletcher just takes over. He's just learning the organization. Now he's got to fire the coach. He's going to bring in someone else that doesn't know the organization. That seemed like a little bit of a... Um, a train wreck waiting to happen. So he brings up the coach from the American League team in Scott Gordon, who's been there a while, who's coached most of these players before. Mm -hmm. And it made more sense to me after I thought about it a little bit. And then something else that happened was uh, they brought up Carter Hart. Now, I saw you on Twitter going back and forth, and you brought this up. You know when 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 Hextall was let go, and we talked about this. You know Carter Hart is coming and everything else. And and you're you were just like, no, I wouldn't bring him up. Uh, Ron didn't want to bring him up. Uh, let him get some experience. It wasn't like he was tearing it up down in the AHL. Uh, but they brought him up anyways. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I, I can't I can't see you being a fan right now, even though he did win his first. Uh, yeah, he, first... he won his first game. And look, I, I I don't know if if people got the wrong impression. I mean Carter Hart is a is a fantastic prospect. Um, you know he was outstanding in the um, in the World Junior Tournament last year. I I think he's going to be really good. I think you're asking him to do a lot mm-hmm. behind a team that hasn't played very well. Now they played. They only gave up twenty. I don't know about twenty five shots the other night, which is really low for Philly. And they ended up winning their first game or Hart's first game yep. uh, against Detroit. It was Scott Gordon's first game too. So in the American League, Hart's played seventeen games. Uh, he's got a three oh five goals against average and a point nine oh one save percentage, a ninety save percentage. Yeah. When I see that, I see a guy that's just learning the league. I don't see a guy that can't play. I see a 20-year-old kid that's just learning the league. Now, maybe he'll go in and be one of a handful of outliers that can do it right at 20. Or he plays a little bit, and eventually Elliott and Neuverth get back, Mm -hmm. and he gets sent down to the American League for the rest of the year. And I don't have a problem with that either. Mm -hmm. I just find um, there's... There's a way longer list of goalies that have jumped into the NHL a little bit soon and just not been ready for it. Yep. And I, I know that's why Hextall resisted it. He didn't think he was ready. But guess what? We're going to find out now. <laughs> well, the, the the problem with social media is that you, you, you say that you didn't agree with the move and all of a sudden it becomes that Ray Ferraro thinks Carter Hart stinks. It's like, yeah, yeah. no. No, I don't at all. You know? But um, see, that's why, yeah. that's why I take less... You know, I... I 
I don't mind having a debate with people. It's mm-hmm. when it gets really rude that that's when I, I just yeah. can't handle it anymore. But I, I don't, I don't get too flustered because you can't have the individual conversation with the person that doesn't interpret what you say the way you mean it. Yeah. Like if it's a one, like if you and I are talking and you said that, I'd say no, Steve. That's not what I mean. What I mean is I don't think he's ready at this time because he's stopping 90% of the shots in the American League. Well, you do that on Twitter, and then somebody doesn't see that tweet. They Mm -hmm. jump into it with their own thing, and pretty soon you're talking about ball bearings. (laughs) And you're like... You know, you're like, what the heck? I don't even know how I got here. Yeah. So well, I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I've got 40000 on my other account to talk about the sport of motocross, and I, I know exactly what you mean. You miss a tweet, and then you're just, forget it. I'm done. Um, it, it's like you can't, you can't get it back on the rails. Yeah. Uh, your, but your, one of your favorite sayings, and you've said on this podcast uh, many times, is uh, no one has ever been harmed by staying down longer. You know, uh, it's never... Never been something where you're like, oh, you really ruined him. He stayed down too long. <laughs> That's never happened. No, I don't. I don't see it. I don't recall it. Um, the the guy is getting antsy for sure. You know, Vancouver's got a prospect in goal, Thatcher Demko, yeah. who missed the start of the year with with a concussion. But like, he seems, by all accounts, to be just chomping at the bit. Mm-hmm. Like ready to go. Yep. And Vancouver just hasn't found a way to get him into their lineup yet. After a while, that becomes frustrating, and you've got to be careful that you don't leave them too long. Because as soon as the player loses his edge, then you've got a problem. So when I say a prospect can't be left too long, um, I'm saying that you're, in the course of um, a three-year entry-level contract, there's got to be some patience from the player. Mm-hmm. right? Carter Hart isn't at that impatient stage yet. Demko is probably getting there. Mm-hmm. The concussion probably bought them a little more time, but there's got to be a time this year yep. where Demko is playing goal for Vancouver. I look at Neil. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, Steve, if they get themselves into a, you know, a spot where they're slugging it out for a playoff spot, then probably Demko won't. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's just the circumstance to it. I look at the Leafs when they rush guys for decades and. Kadri and Nylander, a couple of guys, they didn't. And it's worked out nice. You know, they, they left them down there. Too, too often, the player just gets in over his head, mm-hmm. and then they lose what made them effective. Like, because they don't have the confidence to, um, to play in the, in the way that the team thought when they drafted them or traded for them or whatever it is. Then pretty soon, they're just trying to hang on. And as they're trying to hang on, um, you know, they become they become a shell of their former player. Must be easy for you to say that, Ray, when you spent, like, what, 20 games in Binghamton? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. I had I'm 40. kidding. I had, 40, yeah. I had 20. <laughs> I had over 20 goals, though. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. And so, you know, whether I was really ready or not, I was ready for a look, and then I got 11 goals in 44 games. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I guess it, it was the right time. Um, would I have been harmed by staying a – the rest of the year in the American League, not a chance. Yep. Uh, all right, something else I wanted to touch on, and uh, you did as well. Uh, Patrick Berglund, of course, uh, Berglund, he was, of course, uh, in the Ryan O'Reilly trade, uh, went from St. Louis to Buffalo. Now, this is a curious case. He's leaving $12 million on the table, uh, doesn't want to play for Buffalo. 
you know, kind of mysterious a little bit on what's going on. Uh, what can you tell us about Patrick Berglund, Berglund and kind of what's going on with that? It's, it's strange. Now, my understanding is there was some confusion over his no trade. He had, I think he had eight teams that he could put on the no trade. Mm-hmm. And there was some confusion or he didn't update his no trade list. And so they traded him in the, in the O'Reilly deal and he didn't want to go to Buffalo. Well, too bad he didn't update the list. Yeah. Now, maybe St. Louis could have called him and said, uh, you know, hey, you got 30 minutes to give me your no trade list. Yep. Right? But yeah. I don't know yep. if that's necessarily St. Louis's job to do or, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, was yeah. a, there was a mess up in some regard. Right. So he goes to Buffalo. He doesn't want to go there. For whatever reason, it becomes so untenable. He doesn't want to even go to practice or go to the game. Yeah. It's, you know, and so. My thought is, well, there's really only two, is that he's either got enough money that the $12 million doesn't matter, which I can't imagine that's the case, or two, in this time while he's suspended, he's got another deal worked out. In Europe? Not in the NHL, though. Well, why not? He's, he's I, unrestricted. I guess. They terminated his contract. his contract. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I get it. But walk, yeah. Yeah, but so what? Okay, yeah. So he's a free agent. It, he's, like, this is the thing, Steve. People, when they see this stuff, you've got to take your emotion out of it mm-hmm. and go whether you think the player's right or wrong and go, yeah, but that's the way it is. It's like, you know, I, I was debating with somebody about, um, you know, the, the Flyers need to get a goaltender. And he told me, he said, in the summer I would have targeted Henrik Lundqvist. I said, yeah, but Lundqvist said he was not going to waive his no trade. He was going to stay in New York. Yeah. He said, yeah, I would have still targeted him. I said, good, <laughs> call him 157 times. Right. He's already told you no. Like, yeah. when you view sport, it's hard because fans are fans. You know, like they're invested in their team. But you have to look at it from a, from a pragmatic approach that Berglund doesn't want to be in Buffalo. They terminate his deal. He gives up 12 and a half or whatever it is, million yeah. dollars. That means he can sign with anybody. It it feels like you shouldn't be able to just quit on your team and get rewarded. But then again, well, Buffalo... getting rewarded? Well, if he's got another deal. Let's say he walks into another deal. Um, but I guess Buffalo didn't have the... Buffalo didn't need to terminate him. There could have been you know, right. something worked out. So Buffalo said, fine. It just feels weird that a player can quit on a team if he doesn't like a situation and get a new deal. But... I suppose Buffalo but could have benefit to the team too. Yes, yes. So the right. team saves twelve and a half million dollars. They got to pay a guy that's got three goals this year. Yep. Um, they save the cap space, and they can use the money now on somebody else. Yeah, it wasn't like he was tearing it up. Yep. So now, had he been in a in a different spot, say Patrick Berglund had twenty points in twenty four games or something like that, mm. well, then they would have worked the deal out somewhere. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right, but. I'm sure they looked around. Anybody want a player with three goals and three years at $4 million <laughs> left? And the answer was no. Right. And he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And so yep. that's probably a, the best of a messy situation for both of them. Uh, absolutely. Speaking of Buffalo, uh, Jeff Skinner, 25 goals. He's been a, a really nice story. Uh, first year in Buffalo. He's a UFA. Uh this is a dangerous territory. Uh, he won a Calder before. He's been a good player, so it's not yep. like this is amazing. But uh, he is certainly on fire right now, and I think Buffalo and and everybody else, when his contract comes up, is they got a big situation to check out here. Uh, whether they well, want to commit, they can talk to him now, right? Yep. Like they can, 
He can be signed now. He's in the last year of his deal. Um, you, you know, Jack Eichel's never had a run like this either. He's never had a finisher like Skinner. Skinner's never had a finisher like Eichel. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the, this has gone on so well for them and that um, the, the Sabres are doing so well, you know, would make you think that maybe they can come up with something. Yep. You know, a, a lot of times, and we've seen it in all sports, but a, a player will be successful somewhere, he'll see a greener pasture somewhere else, go for money and or term, and or both, and just have it blow up in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes your best spot is right where you are. Yep. And, and so, and Skinner has to determine that. The Sabres do too. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, the Sabres can offer him eight years. Anyone else can only offer him seven. Right. Nice to see, though, a rebound. Remember a few years ago, he had a concussion issues. There was talk about yeah. not being the same kind of guy, not going to the traffic areas. It's, and I don't know Jeff Skinner, but I've, I've seen him in interviews. I've read, he seems like a good dude, good guy. It's nice to see him rebound from, you know, what, I, what we'd read was some issues. Well, I'm I'm always happy to see a player return to, you know, what yeah. they are. Yep. Um, now this is unprecedented success for him, mm-hmm. but good for him. He's yep. gone through a hell of a lot, and um, you know, he get traded out of Carolina, and you know, for really not very much, a couple of draft picks and a prospect, and um, you know, and he's yep. just exploded on the wing with Eichel. It's been it's been amazing to watch. And on the flip side of that, thoughts out to Corey Crawford right now, Blackhawks goaltender, uh, a real fluky play. Uh, head hit the back of the post. He's out with concussion. And, man, this is the last thing Corey Crawford needs right now, uh, just getting back from a serious one as well, Ray. A brutal story. He missed most of last year after suffering a concussion and really struggled, um, you know, to to get his health back. And mm-hmm. not just as a hockey-playing person but in general and um you know it made real slow and slow steady progress and and then he gets hit again and um you know i i don't i don't know what it means for the near term or the long term but um you know it's uh it's dangerous stuff it's stuff that we don't really ever know enough about even when we think we get to a new level of understanding where it's probably not enough and um it was really it was sad to see him get hurt again and yep. you know just hope that you know he's you know however long he's away from the game if mm-hmm. he decides not to come back that he's okay with that too um there's a there's a lot of years i mean he's 33 years old right yep yeah yeah scary stuff uh and of course like a fluky play, or you hit the back of your head on the on the post, like it does. It's just a weird spot. It, the one guy couldn't happen to. That's what you're just like, oh no, you know. So, right when he went, know. when he got hit like that. I mean, it's you know, it's a play that conceivably happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots yeah, of traffic yeah. guys are driving the net, but you're like, no man, not him. Right? right? He just got back, and um, again, I yep. I know they'll, I know they have the. They have doctors that are very qualified, and there's a concussion institutes in in Chicago. I assume he's already been there, um, but this can't yep. be this can't be a oh how quick can I get back? Yeah, situation type of thought. Yep. It's it's got to be man. I just I got to get right for for today and tomorrow. And if I skate again, great. And if I don't, well, that's just the way it's got to be. Right. 
last week on the podcast, you talked about the youth in the game and how the game is skewing younger and younger, and, and certainly you're, you're right on that end. And, and Except one thing I want to bring up that I kind of forgot and we'll talk, touch on it this week, uh, 29 goals for the old guy, Alex Ovechkin. has 29 goals right now, four more than Skinner that we just talked about, leading the league in goals. Um, certainly you're living right when some of those goals were going in, like the hat trick he had against, uh, I think it was Detroit. Um, but Ovi, yeah. Ovi is, is just killing it right now, Ray. Good, good job by him. Oh, it's it's, a, it's an amazing season yep. that he's had, and um, I was talking about it yesterday somewhere, and um, somewhere at some radio. Yeah, hits. I can't remember <laughs> with with whom, but what I do know is that to be able to to be a goal scorer, of course, you've got to have the ability, you've got to have the talent, you've got to have the shot, you've got to have the know how, but you also need somebody to be your wingman, someone to provide the puck for you. And I'm sure Ovechkin would tell almost anybody that he's been really blessed over his career that in Washington he's either had Nick Backstrom or Evgeny Kuznetsov as a centerman. They've had one of the best power plays in the league, and no small part to him, but he's had Kuznetsov and Backstrom, Mike Green prior, and um, John Carlson now to help set up Mm -hmm him on the power play. So he's got all this all this stuff that works in his favor and then the puck comes to him and he just he delivers it, right? Yep. I, I think he must feel an enormous weight uh, off his shoulders uh, having won. There's no discussion anymore about what mm-hmm. Alexander Ovechkin's legacy is. You know, yep. that's all yep. gone it's away. All done, yep. Rightfully or wrongfully, I mean that it was even a discussion. I mean he was it, it, because he won the Stanley Cup didn't make him one of the greatest scorers in the history of the game. He already was that. The Cup gives another validation. I just remember him slipping down to 30, I think, 29 or 27, and he was getting dog for his defensive he had, he play, one, and like it was a pile-on yeah, over. he had one – Steve, you know? if you pull up his, his year, it was one year. Yeah. Yep. Right? And so – he had one year where he was in the 30s, and everyone was writing and discussing: is this is this the the beginning of the end? Mm-hmm. Which, of course, happens to every athlete. And even in his bad year, he was over 30 goals. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I, I thought that was a little premature. I'm, um, I I do think it's amazing, however, that he's got 29 goals. Yeah, already. it's it's cool. Um. And just uh, maybe when he retires, you should put an eight on the face-off circle where he stands. Just re- retire that spot on on the, on the ice because uh, I, apparently no one has seen it yet. <laughs> no one really well, knows. It is the the other thing too about his you know his spot is that it's really not even twenty feet, right? Yeah. It's like it's just like a little place where he stands. Like, look at that power play. The puck's moving all over the place. He doesn't even move anywhere. No. And and you're like, well, eventually it's going to get there. And so you either turn it into a four-on-three and just have a guy stand over by him, yep. which teams have done. Yeah, teams have done or, that, right? They've, they've tried yeah. it. Yep. And that doesn't work very well either because <laughs> then it's a four-on-three on half the ice. Yeah. And that, that just doesn't work. So, you know, I don't know. It just yeah. it, it seems it seems like it should be stoppable. It's not like the most tricky play. No. But no. the other the other thing that he does have is that you know the the puck can be one time from Carlson, can be one time from Oshie, 
Um, it can go down low from Backstrom to Kuznetsov or the other way around. Like they've got, they've got several points of attack. And yes, the tip of the spear is Vechkin, but um, there is there is way too much to worry about to just say, okay, we're going to take him away and let and we'll take our chances with the other guys. Right. The other guys will light you up too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal season, man. He's uh, he's on pace, and it's cool to see. Uh, everyone saw him celebrating last year. You've talked about him, Ray. Two years ago, you're like, I think he's got to get a bit lighter. I think he's got to work on his quickness. Uh, I don't know if he's gotten any lighter. Like I, I think he has, but um, yeah, he has for sure. Yeah, you know, but but there's also I think um, uh, there's just there's less waste of energy for him. Mm-hmm. There's more. I think you know. Well, this is experience instead of running all over the ice, just go to where you think the puck's going to come to. Because mm-hmm. eventually it's coming there. Like, if you watch a really good defenseman, they don't chase all over their zone. They kind of stay in the middle of the ice because yeah. that's where the dangerous spot is going to eventually appear. Yeah, yeah, you know what was great? That was Chris Pronger. I remember I saw a highlight reel of Chris Pronger <laughs> one time, and they were like, he doesn't really... He just, you'll come to me, don't worry. I'm not going to chase you. I got, a, I got an eight-foot wingspan here. And I'll just get it. Yep, he was you know? <laughs> he was smart. He right. could read the play. He used his yeah. you know, his attributes, his size and his length, and he played he played big minutes in a rocking chair a lot of the time. Yeah. Until yeah. he decided to slash somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, hey, we're going to do a little bit of the uh, hockey card game that we uh, talked about before. So we'll do that. We've done that before. It's a holiday season. Why not try something fun? We've got some quick Twitter questions for you at Paul Hockey as well. Uh, let's start with... Uh, this day in Ray, that's right. Let's do that. Uh, this day in Ray, uh, December twentieth, nineteen ninety six. You are a member of the L.A. Kings. You score the first goal of the game, uh, and Slaney gets the second one. You guys are up two nothing on Buffalo on Hasek and Buffalo, and then Buffalo proceeds to pump in the next six. You guys lose six two, but uh, you get a goal. So thirteenth of the year. Uh, you're also uh, you're a zero on the night plus minus. Everyone else on the Kings is just about a minus Ray. So you had a good game. So I escaped. You escaped. So I escaped. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there there are days like that where yep. you escape, and then there's others you're just a magnet for the yeah. puck in your net. It's interesting. So you're up two nothing uh, on the Sabers on Hasek, like I said. Uh, what year was that? Ninety six. Yeah, they were just coming into that group yeah. of players where they were really good. Yeah. So that was you know they were they were a good team at that time. It was four we two for the Sabers. Empty net by Derek Plant. Uh, empty net goal, so it's five two, and then Plant scores again ten seconds later on a not on an empty net. So it, I see summaries like that, and I look through these summaries of yours, and you know, and I see summaries like that. And I'm just like, that's weird. Ten seconds after well, an empty yeah. net goal, he goes down and scores again on a goalie. I well, assume. he can tell you. Yeah. He can tell you that once the empty netter went in, we had pretty well thought that that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Stop However, trying. Buffalo didn't. <laughs> right, Buffalo <stop>. didn't. <laughs> stop trying. Uh, Sipla. Is it Siplikov? Yeah, Siplikov. Oh, yeah, what a guy. He got assist on your goal. What a guy. Okay, all right. Oh, terrific guy. Yeah, Vladdy Siplikov. Yep. And uh, um, still uh, still lives around L.A. And okay. I ran into him at a game there a couple of years ago and uh, really, really enjoyed playing with him. Okay, yeah, interesting. And I love looking at your line mates and your assists and how you played and everything else, who you played with and, and all that. It's interesting Oh, yeah, stuff. it'll tell yeah. a story sometimes. Kind of, right? And and also, too, all these summaries, you're just shocked at the penalties. 
you're shocked at the amount of roughing and fighting and penalties. You just don't see yeah, it anymore. It was a different era, sure, sure was. Absolutely. Uh, all right, okay. Let's. Uh, we got some questions for you. We got. And uh, uh, I got. A, I've got a stack of ninety, ninety-one. Upper deck hockey cards in front of me. I am just going to randomly pick out some, and you are going to tell us about the guy. Any stories that come to mind? Anything you can tell us about the guy? We did this before, and it was it was a big hit. A lot of our listeners liked it. So uh, here we go. Ninety ninety one upper deck. Let me uh, reach into here. Let's see who I pull out. Ah, Philadelphia Flyers goaltender Kenny Raggett. Oh, okay, Ken Raggett. Um Go back to playing against him in junior. He was really good goaltender with Lethbridge. And he was tough, and um, we ended up in some really hairy games with Lethbridge okay. um, when Kenny was in goal. And um, uh, then he went to Toronto. Him and Alan Bester were the goalies there. Yes, in Toronto for um, man, they got pummeled. Those guys, like Toronto, was not yep. very good. Um, I, I would say that Ken played probably about seven or eight years. He was uh, good. Yeah, more than that. He, oh, he played, played more than that. I don't have his. Yeah, he was a he was sets. a good goaltender though. Um, he was pretty big. He wore one of those um, cage mask yes, sort of things. Yes, he did. <laughs> Which always, you know, at the time they just looked normal. Now, you, like if somebody walked out there with that, you'd be like, "What is this guy doing?" Remember, he went to Pittsburgh. I think he. Yes, did, he did. Absolutely. Did he get a cup? Did he get a backup? As a yeah, he, he was yeah, the backup. I, I believe for their first cup. Yep. Uh Odd that he's from Brandon, and you were playing for Brandon, and he plays for Lethbridge. That's all. Yeah, you know, sure. Who knows, right? Um, also, too, by the way, uh, Gord Stelic, I had him on the show uh, when we first started this podcast, and uh, Gord gets roasted for a few trades, including the Cortinal Cordic one. He traded Kenny Raggett for two first-rounders to, to Philly. Not a bad haul. So, oh, that's... I just want to say That's that. Terrific. Want to it say depends. It. What did they do with the first? Well, round? I don't know That's about that. The next one. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did steal us a playoff series uh, against St. Louis, eighty-seven uh, Leafs, St. Blues. Uh, Reggett was fantastic. All right. Uh, next come uh, John Shabbat. Oh, really talented player. Always, um, always looked like. There was going to be more there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, good size, really good hands. Um, I think had a year or two of pretty decent production. But um, I, my reference point for John would be that I I always thought he was a pretty talented player that I I thought would break through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did get fifty seven points in seventy some games one year at Detroit, and that's about the the, the highlight there. Um, he, all right. he was a skilled guy, yep. put, you know. Like he seemed to be, um, you know, that there would there would be more success there right. for him. There'd be a breakthrough. All right, let's reach into the pack here. Oh, Craig Cox from San Jose. So this is the oh. first year. This big <laughs> Craig Cox was a big dude. Okay, when I left home at seventeen, okay, um, I went to Penticton in the BC Junior League. Mm-hmm. We won our league. Then we played the league from the north for the provincial title, and we won that. Okay. So then we played the BC-Alberta final against St. Albert. And Craig Cox wore number 99 for St. Albert. <laughs> Bold. <laughs> Their coach was Mark Messier's dad, Doug. Okay. Who would come to the bench with a like an army helmet on once in a while. 
Stop it. St- I'm not st- kidding. Stop it. This was an intimidating <laughs> team. And so our guy, our big tough guy, Rob Proudfoot, okay. um, big red-headed guy, we called him Beacon. And so Cox would run around and then Rob would have to kind of run around too. It was lunacy. Then he went to Vancouver. They signed him there. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a good player, but I God, I don't know how tall he was. Six he foot was five, big, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was like he was always just one of the guys that you'd go. I'm not sure if he's going to snap here because lots of tough guys. Like I would never really worry about. Uh-huh. Right, because yeah. it wouldn't bother with yep. me. The guys that you weren't sure about, they bothered me more, and Cox would have been one of them. <laughs> Especially when I was 17. I'm, I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. I love that you have that story, and Doug, Doug Metzay with the with the army helmet. Jesus. Yeah, he was, uh, they were tough, man. They were, uh, we lost, I think we lost in seven games in that series. All right. Uh, Jeff Norton. Yep. Oh, I played with Norton yeah. with the Islanders. A uh, super smooth skater, uh, big Boston accent. His brother was a really good producer uh, in the day and uh, for hockey and at ESPN until oh really you know, oh I didn't know produces, that yeah oh cool um, but uh, yeah Jeff could he could skate he could um, he'd do this thing where he'd go down the left boards and open up his feet we called it the ten to two okay so his feet would be yeah. like pointed at ten and at two o'clock yep and he'd be able to glide down the ice it was. He he was he could run a power play. He could pass the puck. He used a little short stick too. Oh, okay. That I don't think helped his one time or any. But man, right, he could right, handle right. the puck. All right. Um, what if I draw you up? That'd be hilarious. Uh, okay. Here we go. Oh, Rob Ray. Rob Ray. Well, I mean, Rob's Rob is probably as known for pummeling that guy from the bench in Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Good point. As he is for, you know, this idiot ran onto the ice and yeah. Rob filled him in from the bench. <laughs> um, but he was, they had, they had some tough guys in Buffalo, you know, him and Brad, Brad May, May yeah. run around and Matthew Barnaby and Ray fought everybody. He also was, he was one of the reasons I believe they came down with the rule that you had to tie your jersey down yes. because Rob would fight. And as soon as the guy tugged on his sweater, all his equipment would come off. Everything would come off, yes. And it, it was like the old, if you go watch an old Earl Campbell video, uh-huh. the tearaway jersey, it's like, it was the same thing. Like, a guy would get a hand on Campbell's jersey, and pretty soon it was gone. The jersey was gone. It was in the guy's hand. And Campbell would just keep on running. And that's what, you know, Ray did for years until somebody finally came up with this rule that, mm-hmm. you know, your gear needs to be on. Yeah, most of the fight anyway. Yeah, shirtless uh, marches to the penalty box were happening yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, he was tough. He was he I, he fought above his size all the time. I don't know what's going on with these random cards here, but I got Troy Crowder next. <laughs> well, he's a you know right. big left-handed puncher. Played in New Jersey. I think he played a little bit in L.A. Yeah, um, ended his career with a back injury, but. Um, yeah, you got a you got a bunch of the pugilistic side of the I, game. I do. Right I don't know what's going on here. Uh, all right, uh, Mark Peterson, Flyers. Mark Peterson. I don't know you know what? Of... That one's going to skunk me. Yeah, it actually kind of skunks me too. Uh, the the upper... Fenceman, maybe. Uh, the upper deck doesn't have. No, he's. Uh... Yeah. See, I don't. I don't remember him. 
Yeah, he played for the Canadians and then got then traded the Flyers. Huh. Yep, no, I can't okay. I can't pull that one. Yeah. Neither can I. Tim Sweeney. Flames. Tim Sweeney, US player, I believe. Related to Bob or no? No, I don't okay, think he so. is from yeah, he is Boston. Boston Mass guy. Yeah, and um I'm trying to think did he wear I think he wore one of the old style helmets too. And um pretty skilled guy. Wasn't I don't believe he was in Calgary very long. I think he won the cup with him. I think he was there when they won the cup. Tim Sheehy? No, Sweeney. Oh, Tim. No, you not, know what? No. Not Mm-mm. yeah. No, nope, okay. don't remember him. I, right. I don't have any. You've got a bunch of a bunch of fighters and two guys I don't know so far. You're I, hot. I know exactly right. All right, okay. Here's one. You got this one. Mike Donnelly, uh, Kings. Uh, Donnelly played with the Kings on a kind of a checking line the year that they went to uh, the finals. finals yeah. Played with a little center named Corey Millen, and they were fast and aggressive, and they they checked. That was their. That was their role. I'm, I can't quite come up with the third guy that was on that line. Uh, Donnelly, Millen. Oh, yeah. wasn't Taylor, was it? No, it wasn't no. Dave Taylor. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It would be right. a guess at this point. But those two guys, uh, they could fly and they could check. Um, this card is Pavel Bure, but he's got a T-shirt, shorts, and rollerblades on. I remember that card. Okay, all right. I, yeah. I, Pavel Bure. the casual yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. I mean. What can you say about Pavel Bure? Right. Three or four years or so, he was the, the best goal scorer in the game. Just a, you know, a bolt of lightning mm-hmm. when he played. And, um, you know, pretty interesting story how Vancouver got him in the sixth round. Yeah, I um, know, Ray, because the Leafs tried to get him. Well, everybody tried to get him, but nobody knew that he was eligible. Mm-hmm. And somehow the Canucks figured it out, and they took him in the sixth round, and there were howls of protest yeah. that he wasn't eligible. But the league ruled that he was, and Vancouver ended up with him. Now, I saw him play three or four times, and I, you know, obviously in Winnipeg. I saw him once in Vancouver, actually, when I was living in Victoria. Um, I was amazed that he didn't really go south of the face-off dots for anything. Um you know, he kind of just waited, 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 and then he would get the pass and take off. But is that was that kind of what your impression of him was? I mean, was he really that much adverse to playing defense that I remember no, him? Just, that's just not the way that he played. It's okay. not. It just I don't know. It's a, see, I I've never really had much use for this. Oh, the guy's got to play two hundred foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's stupid. You know, so do you want Burray down underneath your goal line, fighting around for the puck? Or do you want him darting out to center ice and trying to get a breakaway? Could yeah. you imagine him in today's game oh. with no red line? He would have never even known his goalie's name. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was amazing. Amazing. Um, oh, here's somebody you'd know. Uh, Hartford Whaler, Pat Verbeek. Uh, Beaker, terrific guy. Outstanding teammate. He mm-hmm. fought every night. Um, sliced off his thumb in a farming accident when he was in junior and his brother found the thumb and they had to reattach it and um and then went on to 500 goals in i think 3000 penalty minutes yeah yeah like he uh he was a man he competed hard oh, and he could score 
he was one of those guys that you looked at his statue like, holy smokes, awesome career, phenomenal career. And you didn't really yeah. remember him, you know, like you knew he was a good player, obviously, but just, yeah, terrific. Well, he was, he was, always, he was always the complimentary player on a line. Mm-hmm. You know, he could play left side or right side. He could always shoot um, and score, and he was just – so you could play him with any type of player, and he was probably going to be as effective. He was, he was a really good player. A uh, little ball of hate. <laughs> the little ball yes, of he hate. he was. Right. Yeah, my roommate a little bit in Hartford, every once in a while we'd fight over the remote <laughs> because there were no Netflix or anything then. Yeah. So if you had control of the remote, you – you had control of the room, and I never had control of the remote. All right, last one we'll do, and then we'll get some questions. Uh, Rangers, Sergei Nemchimov. Nemchimov. Oh, uh, so played with Sarge. His nickname was Sarge. Yeah. Uh, played with Sergei Nemchinov with the Rangers that one year I was there. Um, outstanding person. Um, had the biggest legs of anybody I played with. Really, huh? Like, yeah. I had big legs, big quads. Yep. Sarge had these muscles about <laughs> top of his muscles and uh and you'd bug him about it and he'd get really shy or whatever but he was quiet um he was a really good player a uh, good third line player yeah check skate kind of a shutdown a guy right offensively yeah yeah yep. won a stanley cup in 94 and um yeah i i like him a lot you know what's funny about you've told so many stories on this podcast and a lot of them about the european players that i literally as a fan of the game never heard speak Never knew right. what their personalities were like. Never knew anything. And then you were on the pod going, great guy. Fantastic guy. And I'm just like, huh, I'd never know anything about this dude. Well, Funny. Yeah. you know, when you think of it, to do interviews, you've got to be pretty comfortable in English. And a lot of the guys weren't. Yep. Even when they were, they were more than fine to do an interview. But they didn't want to get there and, you know, and not understand a question. And to them, it would make them seem... Um, you know, like yeah. they were dumb or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that wouldn't have been the case. It would have been, man, you're speaking another language. You're, you know, I don't think anybody would view it like that, except if I were in another country and was asked to speak their language, I would probably think the same thing. Like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Yep. In case I go to say we played really well, and I and I say, yeah, I ran over a, <laughs> a bottle cap. You know, like, who knows? Right, right. You know what I mean, though, and, right? Like, you've, yep. you've come on and been like, this guy's great. And I'm just like, wow, who knew? Some Russian, well, you know. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Like they're regular guys. Mm-hmm. They love the same game as us. If you could understand, and it took me a while, a long while to get this, but they just lived a different way than us, especially back then. Right now, I would say the, you know, the Czechs and the Finns and the Swedes and mm-hmm. you know, the Russians are a little different, but they come over to North America and they understand the way of life a little better. Yep. Um, it's a little more comfortable for them. Could you imagine in the 80s and 90s coming over? Sure, yeah. And, like, we had a player with Hartford. His name was Jurgis Bacha. And uh, he was a defenseman, and Hartford was so excited to get him. So he gets here, gets on the ice for practice, and, man, this guy can't stand up. He's falling all the time. He's crashing into the boards. We're like, <laughs> is this a joke? Like, this guy can't, right. he can't even skate. Well, it turns out he'd gotten all new equipment, but he didn't know how to ask for his skates to be sharpened. Oh, yeah. So so he had yeah. brand new skates. They were never sharpened. Yeah. But just think, just even that, the thing he was most comfortable with, 
hockey. Yep. He didn't even know how to ask. Yeah, yeah. Like it must have been yeah. really difficult for them. Yeah, no, good point. A- absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into some uh, – those are fun. I could do those for an hour, by the way. Um, let's go into some questions on Twitter. At Paul Pocky, as always, uh, hit us up. We're able to uh, be able to answer there, uh, answer the best way you can. Uh, Comb Nation says, thoughts on Steve Nash. Have you ever met him? Uh, never met him. Mm. Outstanding player. Amazing player. Um, I, I just loved it. You know, he was undersized and overlooked, and um, when he had the ball in his hand, the game always seemed like there was another play in it. Like, when he had it, even though he didn't shoot a lot, it seemed like there was going to always be a good shot coming from a Steve Nash possession. Mm-hmm. Interesting you never did any charity stuff at all with him or anything. Yeah, no, I've not, uh, not run across him somewhere. Okay. Um, all right. Uh Steve McLeod says, once again, so he's very angry, once again, what about Paul McDermott as a teammate? Well, like, what do you mean? How many times do I got to talk about Dermy? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. No, once again, I've already answered about Dermy <laughs> right. being one of my favorite guys I've ever played with. Um, strong and had one of my best years as my winger, but I don't understand what he means once again. I don't know. Maybe you've never answered it. We've definitely talked about Paul McDermott on this show. Yeah, right. 100% we have. Right. Uh, Patrick Johnson says, how do you think Zadina will fare at the World Juniors? Uh, good. Yeah. He did well last year. He, uh, yep. He's played in the American League this year. Um, got banged up just about a week ago, but is going to be okay for the tournament. I, I mean, he'll – I don't know who else the Czechs have – have got on their team. I don't. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen their roster yet, um, but Zadina will be their headliner for sure. Yeah, uh, of course he play, yeah, playing in Grand Rapids. How's his first pro season going? That you that you can track. You've been Good. tracking. He yeah. scored. Yep, he scored. He's. Um, you know, I mean, there's been times where you know he's got to learn to compete a little harder to get the puck back. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a you know a 19 year old kid playing pro hockey. There, I just saw something here that uh, Colorado is. Um, uh, they're they're going to let Martin Kaut go back to the Czech team. He's um, he's got five goals in the American League this year, which doesn't sound like much, mm-hmm. but again, he's a teenager. He's a good player too, um, and so he was the 16th pick um, last June in the draft. So this is a that's two pieces of good news for the Czechs. Scott Castro says, "What was your favorite pair of skates, and how often did you switch out skates during a season?" I never switch my skates. I hated doing that. Really? Um, okay. What I would do is when they broke down, I'd mm-hmm. get them stitched in the ankle part, the part that would get soft. Um, I liked Bowers the best. They were the most comfortable for me. Did you get paid? To, were you in the era of getting no. paid to use equipment? Yeah, some guys did. I didn't. You uh, never did, huh? Wow, okay. No, I get, I get nothing. So what model of Bowers? Do you remember? Or No. no okay. Bower. All right. By the way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I was never an equipment geek. You weren't, like some huh? Guys, yeah, yeah. Some guys just you know knew everything about their stuff. Yep. I just knew what was comfortable and what felt right, and that was generally enough for me. By the way, and as, as an aside, I ordered a pair of skates for myself. I'm going to get back on the ice here. I'm going to go. For you. Yeah. Get a helmet too. Yeah, and I've got all that. I just need skates. Well, you do need skates, but get a helmet and elbow pads because you're going to test them both out. <laughs> I, you know, my skates were super tax. I'm like, good God, i got to oh, get yeah. new skates. <laughs> Super tacks were good in the day. Yes, yes. So uh, I'm going to try. They have stick and puck uh, at the Vegas the Vegas uh, Golden Knights practice arena. has uh, two sheets, and uh, they have stick and puck. I'm going to go out and skate good. again. Good. Go have some fun. I can't wait. Good uh, exercise. 
Dale Hunter's helmet says, will Ray have TSN team over to his place uh, for the holidays of the World Juniors, or at least Gord? <laughs> yeah, I'll have some people over, I'm sure. I might give them the right address, I might not. <laughs> or at least Gord. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah no, of course, we're going to yeah. have, you know, have a, a you know, a night of, you know, whenever we get a day off. Uh, I mean, it's not like we're sitting there with extra days during the tournament yeah. very often. How about everybody but Gord? <laughs> uh, Gord knows where I live. He'll be there. Uh, Josh, a Zamboni guy, favorite Christmas gift you receive besides a hockey stick? Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you about my Torspo stick oh, you that, I got, yeah. <laughs> that I got from it was from Finland. I don't know where my dad found it. I love that. Yeah. Um, I would say a Bobby Orr hockey jersey. Like a, a legit Bobby Yeah, Orr a real one? Real one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was... That was great. That's pretty rare. uh, Yeah. It's funny, you know, like all these years later, it's not like there's was a life-changing Christmas gift for me, Mm -hmm. but I just remember the six of us sitting around the living room and opening presents. And what I always remember was, so you got all that wrapping paper and dad would throw it in the fireplace and the, the flames would turn the color of whatever paper was going up. Oh. And so, oh yeah, it was so interesting because every once in a while you, the, you'd, you'd throw too big a clump in there and like the heat would come out of there like a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we always sit around there and you'd have your, you know, your little breakfast thing, whatever you were doing and opening gifts like crazy and, you know, mom and dad and my three brothers. And that's what I remember about Christmas. Um Donut Day says, uh, did you ever, Ray, uh, what was it like to play against the Russian Five in Detroit? Um, really, well, okay, the Russian Five or all five of them when they played in, in for the Russian national team, but they were just so good. They had such such knowledge of the game and where everybody was on the ice, mm-hmm. and it was so different for us because we were playing a completely different game. You know, we were playing get the puck, you know, hold on to it, but chip it and go get it, mm-hmm. forecheck and cycle the game. And they never dumped it in. They never chipped it in. And so it was like two competing forces every game. You're trying to get the puck from them. They get it. They're trying to keep it, right? Like, yep. But we would yep. give it up and then go get it again. Yep. Their game was way smarter. They had it. They kept it. Uh, I thought your answer would be like, I wasn't good enough to play out with them. Because that's your line oh, for a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we played uh, one year at the World Championships. Um, our fourth line for Canada, we had a good team. This we got, we won the silver medal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our fourth line was me and Kirk Muller and uh, fourth Pat line. Beek. Fourth line, yeah. Jeez. And we had all had forty goals that year, yeah. or or near to it. Yep. And their fourth line were these three young guys, and we could never catch them. And they had the puck the whole time, and you know. The break even was good. It turns out the three young guys who two of them I think were in cages was uh Fedorov, McGilney and Burry. Burry. <laughs> yeah, right. And we're like, Who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah. That was their fourth line. <laughs> yeah, not catching them exactly. Uh Brian Blair says if the Oilers make the playoffs, should Hitchcock be seriously considered for coach of the year? Well, depends what else happens. I yeah. mean if Tampa Bay gets hundred and thirty points, then I think John Cooper should be coach of the year. Um, if Edmonton makes the playoffs, yeah, Hitch would be considered. I'm sure. I'm sure he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question from Cam McIntyre: Do t- the teams recognize a player 
on his first, who's been traded on his first visit back to the team like they do today, back in your day? No video. No, tri- no, no nothing. No, nothing. Okay. Nope. I, I went back to Hartford. I went back to Long Island, and I just went back. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Uh, nobody I, acknowledged anything. Yeah. I talked to the guys on the – I remember saying hi to the guys underneath, you know, the yeah. – uh, like the security guards or the um, the guy that would run the Zamboni, you know, people that you'd seen for years. Yep. And you'd go back and be like, hey, how's it going? Talk to them, but no video trade, no, hey, welcome back or anything. Yeah, yeah. Jeff O'Neill's very bitter about the Canes never doing anything for him when he went back. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe there's a reason for that, eh? <laughs> All right, everybody. I got a question for you, Ray. So uh, you've talked about your travel and everything else that you do uh, for TSN. If if the pay were the same, and I don't that that's so that's the big caveat here, because you probably make a ton of money. But if the pay were the same, know. Canucks analyst, you're you're doing more games, you're gone for longer, but you're also home. Oh, I I mean to work from home would be would be amazing. Okay, right, like that because. You know, I want to say the Canucks do about 65 games Mm -hmm. or so because the rest get picked up on hockey night. Yeah, national. On Saturdays. And um, so let's assume half of them are at home, 30 games. I would have 30 games at home. You drive to the game, you turn around, you drive home. Yep. I I do that twice a year. But you're gone longer on the the trips. So, you know. You charter... You travel differently. Yeah, um, I, char- I never thought about the charter. Okay, yeah, that's you know, so pretty good. It would, it would really kill my uh, <laughs> my frequent flyer points, but yep, yep. Um, yeah, one day it would be awesome, sure. Okay, all right. I'm just wondering. Yeah, you know, something I thought about, like, but the pay wouldn't be the same. I mean, let's face it, you're uh, absolutely killing it. Yeah, right no, now. yeah, it wouldn't be. I don't think. Uh, I like what I do. Yep, absolutely. All right, everybody. That's been another edition of the Paul Pocky Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we're off next week, holidays, and you're busy anyways. And uh, we'll try to do another one though, but before the tournament is over, hopefully, see what we can do. Yeah, see we'll um, we'll try and check in from the tournament yep. just after the new year mm-hmm. for sure. And um, you know, see what we're getting into in the medal round and stuff. But uh, to everybody, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. I uh, hope it's great for you all. You're, you get to spend time with family and um, have a great start to 2019. Thanks for listening in 2018, and um, we'll catch you in the, what is unbelievably the year of 2019. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, th- fantastic. Thanks for your stuff, Ray. Always appreciate it. Thanks, man. Merry Christmas, Steve. We'll talk to you.